0: Welcome to Startup Dads, a podcast about the highs and lows of building a business and raising a family at the same time. For more information about the topics we cover on the podcast and other Startup Dads related content, you can follow us on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. I'm Amrit, co-founder of Hyper Exponential, a tech startup that I co-founded in 2017. It's grown from a two-person team working out of my kitchen to a profitable business with several large clients and more than 20 team members across London and Europe. I'm also dad to Evie. My first child who was born last December. Welcome to this week's episode of Startup Dads. I'm delighted to welcome Will Schroeder. Will, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what makes you a startup dad?
1: Sure. Uh, Will Schroeder, founder and CEO of Startups.com, father to... Summer Schroeder, who is nine years old and a founder herself, uh, and (laughs) my son, Will, who's uh, about to turn five years old. And is just a tornado everywhere he goes. (laughs) Very different personalities. Um, I've been doing this as a founder for almost 30 years. Uh, Startups.com is my ninth company. So I've been through this a lot. Uh, Have a bunch of venture funded startups. I've had a bunch of bootstrap startups, different outcomes in different ways. And now I help about uh, 1.2 million startup founders like you and I uh, through this entire journey and to explain to them you know, everything that you're going through, both personally and professionally, has been done before. Everybody thinks we're mm-hmm. going through it for the first time, but in fact, you may not believe it, but it's all been done before. And so we have a podcast uh, called Startup Therapy, where we actually walk through each of these issues at the personal side, you know, what founders themselves go through. And we dig into these issues very deeply. And for a lot of the founders that are listening, they all say the same thing, which is, I thought I was the only one. And I think as it relates <laughs> to parenting, we, we often go through, this is such a big challenge, but then later realize that everyone's done it before. So I think, you know, that's kind of the, the common theme among all the people that I work with.
0: For sure. it was one of my massive motivations for setting up the show is, as you rightly say, you know, it feels new every week in a startup, feels new in its own way. And the same thing applies to parenting. So, Will, I'd like to um, kind of zoom in on that. Uh, you know, nine internet companies in the last 20 years, absolutely amazing. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the journey, I suppose, you know, how parenting Came in and interacted with that journey, and how you know the changes to the way you ran your life as an entrepreneur. Because you know, you've done this a lot, and I suppose as you know, your kids would have been at various stages of their lives while your businesses were at various stages of their lives.
1: Let me tell you a story about the very moment where my startup life intersected with my life as a parent. This was about 10 years ago. Uh, My daughter Summer had just been born, I had just gotten married. We had just built startups.com. We just moved from across the country in the United States. We would basically taken on every life moment that you could possibly (laughs) have all within the period of about six to nine months. (laughs) We packed them all in. And I'm going to tell this story as a bit of a moment in time, but but it also doubles as a bit of a, a warning really for a lot of other founders that are out there. At that point, I was 37 years old. Up until that point, I had run nonstop. I had started my first company when I was 19, and I worked every waking hour, zero exaggeration for that entire time period. I, at, at the time, at this moment, I was running five companies at the same time, uh, all companies that I had started, three of them that were venture funded. I would built kind of a studio of all the different ideas that I had, and I'd been build, building them and growing them over 10 years. Needless to say, I was more than overcommitted. A great way to explain it is, imagine taking what you do now with your startup, and then every day at the end of the day, having to do it four more times. That was essentially what my schedule was. And up until then, I hadn't been married, uh, although I'd been with my now wife for a very long time before that, and uh, obviously didn't have children. Well, one day, uh, as we're starting startups.com, I'm sitting at lunch with with my friends, um, and we're talking about whatever it is that we're talking about. And I just didn't feel right. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I said, you know, I'm gonna head home for lunch, which I had never done, even though I lived five minutes away. And I'm just gonna lay down for a second because something's off. I get in my car, I'm driving uh, on the short bit of highway uh, up to, uh, back to my house, and I call my wife. And I said, I don't know what's wrong, but something is definitely off. And the moment I said that, the moment I said off, my heart stopped full tilt while i'm driving on the highway uh and i don't mean let, let, uh, metaphorically i mean quite literally it, it stopped
0: oh, and
1: it, by the way it's impossible to not notice your heart stopping of all things <laughs> it's pretty specific i came to because i'm an idiot i stayed behind the wheel and drove myself home for the next two minutes not the smartest thing i had ever done i then call my friends from back at work i said and i'm laying back, uh, 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 sprawled out of my living room, staring at the ceiling, and I said, you guys need to come get me. They were a couple minutes away, so I thought that was a good idea. I ended up getting rushed to the hospital. I'm in the ICU for uh, the in- intensive care unit for essentially two days. They're running every test possible on me, figuring out what's happening to me. The doctor finally comes back to me, and he said, you just had a massive panic attack. You're, you'd run your body so hard for so long and you stacked up so many different commitments along the way now add parenting now add you know wife uh, etc your body just gave up on you and this is going to happen again that was the moment where i shifted from being startup guy to startup dad because at yeah. that moment sitting in the icu staring at the ceiling Not knowing what had just happened to me or whether it was going to happen again, but knowing that my daughter was sitting in the other room and had just been born was one of the most shocking, intense experiences of my life. It was was by far the most shocking experience of my life. And at that moment, I knew everything was going to have to change. And that was a very deliberate moment that really changed everything.
0: Wow. I mean, framed in the context of the things you've achieved since then, Uh, amazing tale a cautionary tale how did you make the change how did you find balance you know the question again i'm sure you talk a lot about this on your show but what were the big things that that you did to really restore a bit of balance
1: yeah it's a great question you know a lot of what we did when we were forming startups.com was to sit back and say not only here are the things we want to do but here are the things we never want to do again And and all of us, uh, I mean, my my partners were all uh, becoming um, fathers at the same time. Incidentally, our first round of kids were all born within months of each other. And one of the things we said was, we're not going to build this thing at the expense of our families, and we're going to stick to it. By the way, these are all really easy things to say. They're really hard to stick to, right? It's great to make those proclamations, but when everything is on the line at work, and you're saying, no, I'm going to get up and go home, that's where you've really made the commitment. As much so when someone else's stuff is on the lines, you know, one of the employees in the company, and you send them home, that's when you're actually committing to it. But we did. And that was nearly 10 years ago. And since then, we've really stuck by our family first philosophy at the company, that nothing comes between us and our children. Our jobs are important, but they're Second to what happens at our family. And if if I've got to be honest, it didn't change a thing. That's what killed me the most, right? (laughs) You would think that like, oh, that you were giving up time, et cetera. It's not. I wish I had thought of it 20 years earlier. It was unbelievable how little we actually sacrificed at work to stand behind that.
0: Yeah. It's very true, isn't it? I was just talking to one of my teammates about perspective and how, you know, when things really get on top of you, you lose a sense of perspective. And that can be one of the worst things because once you've lost that sense of perspective, you know, things that don't matter start to matter. And you've got too many things that matter already, right? To deal with, let alone the things that don't matter.
1: Yeah. I was under the false impression that the only way my startup was going to work is if it got every waking hour of my life. And here's what I learned. And again, for folks that are listening i really hope that they take this to heart you'll work as much as you're required to but you'll also compress your amount of work into the time that you have if you have 16 hours you'll just spend 16 hours you know we like to believe well i need all 16 hours you know i've been doing this for 30 years i've worked every waking hour along the line i'm here to tell you you do not and if you do you're really inefficient in how you work which which is going to have so many problems in the future for me having a family indirectly kind of gave me permission to get up from my desk and go home. I remember the first day that my wife called me and she said, hey, what time are you gonna be home for dinner? Here's the crazy thing. In 20 years prior to that, I had never come home in daylight. I didn't even know that was an option, right? Like, basically dinner is what happens when someone comes and delivers food at at work and you just work through and you leave at 11 o'clock at night, Like, what else would you do? And again, I had been so far from the idea that there was any other option, that when she called me and said, are, are you gonna come home, I was shocked. And it was the first time I realized that like, I'm gonna kinda have to go home for like, the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make some substantive changes. So you can see how far out of the scope of reality I was. You know, I was so bought into the Startup hustle culture, and I'm ashamed of that, by the way. I'm not proud of that.
0: Uh, I didn't know any better, and now I do. That's an amazing story. I think it's a really nice segue onto your podcast, Startup Therapy. you tell us a little bit about that and how it came about? And, you know, yeah, your motivations, I suppose. Hearing about your your story, it feels obvious, uh, the (laughs) motivations. But I'm interested to maybe unpack that a little with you.
1: You bet. So here's what's happened. Uh, With startups.com and kind of just teaching startups as a whole, we've created a tremendous amount of information and support for building a startup. We have you know, accelerators and incubators, and we have all of these people pontificating on how to build startups. We have mentorships, et cetera, but who tells you how to be a founder, how to live like a founder, how to validate all the ridiculous feelings that you're feeling. And the answer is nobody, but it turned out that 99% of the time, when I went deep with founders to kind of coach them on how this whole thing works, how the the business of starting startups work, we always wound up there. And essentially what it looked like was, um, I do need help building my startup. I'm fundraising or I'm doing customer acquisition or staffing or all the things that startups do. But I'm also not sleeping at night. And I also feel like a total imposter. And and I'm broke, is everybody else broke? Because I'm definitely (laughs) broke, right? And I started to explain to these folks that you're going through exactly what everybody else goes through. No founder wakes up on day one and is like, I'm exactly the right person for this job, there's no way this startup can't fail, and and, and I'm moving forward. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And yet, 100% of the people that I talked to were completely unaware of this. And so, what I did was, with my co-host Ryan, we started to just grab all of the topics that we were talking about to founders all day long and we started to unpack those inside the Startup Therapy episodes. And so we, we started to talk about things that people hadn't heard before. Like, what's the emotional cost of being a founder? You know, we know that yeah. there's, there's a cash cost to it, you know, putting money in. But what is the toll that it's going to take on you? And what do you look like on the other side of that? You know, how, how much does that actually cost you, both in your health, your mental well-being, et cetera? And that was one of the first episodes, you know, we're, we're over 100 deep, but that was one of the first. And our reaction to that was so intense and so emotional, from the folks that were listening, that we realized we were really on to something. And so we started to look at every aspect of what it was like to be a founder,
0: and went really, really deep on the topics. And I'm glad we did, because it changed our business. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was about managing emotions, right? Because I think one of the things, as you've rightly just touched on there, is, you know, people in your family life and your business look up to you, right? When you're a dad and founder. And one of the things I've realized is my behavior and how I feel and how I act. It's not just, you know, for me or the people in my close circle. It's the whole business and the family that affects them.
1: There are two things that are racking in the back of our brain that we just don't know how to verbalize. One is permission, permission to say, you know, I feel terrible right now and I just want to emote, right? Within that also comes permission to get up out of my seat and go spend time with my kids for dinner. We've got this guilt that comes with that permission. If if I, if I'm at the dinner table, then I'm not working. If I'm at the dinner table, if I'm not on my phone, then I'm not working. And this all keeps coming back to the sense of permission and, and our lack thereof. And we assume that everybody else has denied themselves permission to basically live like a human, and so and therefore so should we. Um, the other side of it is, is validation, validating the fact that the way I feel totally makes sense. I always say that there's two types of founders in the world: those that wake up at three in the morning terrified of everything that they just got themselves into, and those that are lying about it. There's really no (laughs) other version of how this whole thing works. And yet, we all feel incredibly, uh, we have a a lack of validation that comes with not understanding that what we're going through is exactly what every other founder goes through because we all keep it kind of hidden. And so I found that by sharing how permission works or how it should work and validating the very feelings and emotions and concerns that you have, Starts to make people open up and say, "Oh God, thank you! Finally, uh, it's great to hear it because those are all the things that no one's given me permission or validation
0: for." Uh, I, I'm, uh, this isn't a video podcast, but listeners should, will see me basically laughing at how uh, Will is describing my exact life uh, <laughs> in terrifying, <laughs> with terrifying precision. Uh, I heard a really great podcast from the uh, the A sixteen Z, the venture capitalist, saying, "Founders sleep like babies; they wake up every three hours crying." <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: i'm gonna steal that
0: you're absolutely right and yeah that permission versus guilt and balancing those two things as you say you know actually what does that result in what does that result in for presence and for engagement you know on either side of that right you know again maybe we're related to this i'm, I'm interested in your perspectives on dealing with the highs and lows of you know fatherhood parenthood and the startup uh, side of things because you know It's just a key skill in being a founder and being a dad is dealing with the surprises that come up in life. How have you dealt with this and how's that changed over time, you know, particularly as you become more experienced on both sides? I think from
1: my standpoint, you know, given enough time and experience, I've obviously been more experienced in in being a startup founder than I have been being a dad. Uh, I think you mentioned this earlier a lot of those experiences are transferable. You know, if you're talking about mm. fundamental patience and being able yeah. to see the long view yeah. of things and not getting wrapped up in in short term squabbles at the expense of something longer. I think the other side of it is as I've gotten more evolved uh, and from the standpoint of where I told you about, you know, where my heart stopped or where I didn't understand that I was supposed to come home for dinner, I've started to realize through daily practice that there's no version of what I'm going to get done at work today and by way of my startup that's going to be a better roi than with my children right in other words Hmm. if i deny them something and i'll give you an example it happened this morning uh i've got a a, a soon-to-be five-year-old son named will will is just a complete terror. And I mean that in a nice way, but he is just like so wound up with energy all the time. I would kill to be able to have his energy. But we go through a routine every morning. And here's kind of what it looks like. Uh, I get up crazy early. like I start work at 5 a.m. And so he eventually gets up like, let's say seven. He comes down to my office and he does this thing where he he taps me on the shoulder and he says, hey, dad, look over there. And he's trying to distract me. And I fall for it every time. So, oh, hey, what's over there? And then he, hit, he hits me again on the shoulder. and says, tag, you're it. And he sprints out of the room to, to begin a game of tag, which is essentially doing wind sprints at 7 a.m., right? Which is, <laughs> which is essentially what it comes down to. And here's why this is always interesting to me. Because from the moment that he tags me, for a fraction of a second, I do this calculus in my head. And I say, if I get up right now and chase him, is there something that i need to get done or maybe that i'm in the middle of that i need to get done that's more important than this and i got to say if i'm being honest sometimes that's true sometimes what i think i'm working on what i believe i'm working on i feel is more important and i say hey little man you know let's uh let's play a little bit later daddy just got to finish this off and he's he's generally cool with it so you know no big issue but i think about that a lot i think about that moment cuz i think it represents a lot of how we consider ourselves both startup dads and uh, startup founders, and I think to myself, what could I possibly be working on in this moment that's more important? And why am I not getting up and chasing him around? Now, to be honest, not I don't always feel like doing wind sprints at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a young man, so I'm sure that's part of it. But I think about the the effect that it has long term on our relationship with him. And again, this is. It's not just this moment. It's this line of thinking that I think about. You know, How does that affect vacations? How does that affect time we spend together? And how much of a cost does my startup have to my family? And how much am I willing to bear? And so I'm constantly kind of doing the math in my head
0: as to kind of what my tolerances are, if that makes sense. Your point, I think you're in, is about actually giving it the thought. Right. Rather than making an assumption one way or the other. Because, you know, one of the reasons I I, I set up the podcast was, you know, I love my business. I love my family. You know, I love my family more than I love my business. It's not a close uh, um, uh, fight, but I do love my business really, really deeply. And it's one of those things that if I'm really honest, I don't have as much time in the day to do all the things that I love and therefore sacrifices need to be made. And what you're telling me there—that story is so impactful, and you know, really sticks with me—is—is is you have to do the thinking. And there'll be occasion occasions, you know, where you need to finish that piece of work. But if you're if anyone is making the blanket assumption that actually there's it's always the case, you've got to get whatever you need to get done at work right now done. There's a chance you could miss out. And I do, and I know it. There's no question mm.
1: that I've missed out. Uh, and I think over time, fortunately, my kids are relatively young still where I'm not kind of in that regret phase where I'm looking back saying, I wish I had, I wish I didn't kind of thing. Uh, so I still have time to make those adjustments, but I think a lot about why I do those, do that math. And and I got to tell you some of the things that I take away from that. One is that most people aren't founders. And so for them, work is just work. Work is just something they get paid for for founders it doesn't work like that this isn't a job this is something very differently no more than watching your kid is babysitting right yeah, yes you're technically exactly. watching over them but it's not babysitting right that's no. your child and so when i get up from work the math going through my head certainly a big portion of it is what are all the dependencies that are about to get short changed when i get out of my chair now most people look at that and say well, that's a feels like an awful lot of analysis for whether or not you're gonna play tag with your kid or not, and it is. The point isn't how much analysis it is, the point is that I have to do it regardless, right? That, that I'm doing it at all is sort of the point. And I think when startups uh, founders start to get into their startup and they start to develop this, this habit, right, they don't realize it's happening at first. At first, it just sounds like, well, you know, we're obviously really busy. We're trying to get a fundraise closed, so I'm going to need to put off some time. But it's a habit. I've built a 30-year habit around saying no to things that I should probably say yes to. And it's something that's going to take me a very long time to break. But I'm actively trying to do it. I hope I get there.
0: Yeah. That's the key thing, right, is the incremental progress and applying your brain power to try to break that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, but it's not easy.
0: No. Uh, Will, as your kids have got older, have things changed as they've got, you know, beyond being kind of babies that can't crawl and do those sorts of things, and they become a little bit more in- interactive? Has that helped change your perspective, made it easier? I'm not there yet. My daughter, Evie's she's 18 months. So
1: Yeah, you've got a minute. Uh, I-, I would say this. My kids have full respect for the fact that dad has to work sometimes. And, and they don't push back. I give total credit to my wife, Sarah, for that. She's just, when she sees a moment like that, uh, she'll step in and say, hey, you know, let's go do this. Dad's got to work. And we've got an amazing partnership between us, my wife and I, and she's a critical part of that. So I, I love to say that, that we've had this deep, long chat and my nine-year-old just understands me. She's smart as can be. But a lot of that has to do with just enough repetition that when I raise my hand and say, hey, I got to dig in, the family just steps back and lets me. By the way, I hardly ever see that amongst families, amongst parents. It's incredibly rare. I'm incredibly thankful for it. When there are times when big stuff comes up at the company, uh, we've done six acquisitions of companies. Some of them have happened very quickly. So, this is the kind of thing where we weren't doing an acquisition last night, and this morning we're doing an acquisition. So, like, you know, some of these things have come on um, uh, pretty quickly. My wife, who's been in startups herself. She's been in venture funded startups herself. She doesn't care about startups, if I'm being honest, but she understands them very well. She'll look at me and when she knows that I need to go to war, she says, do what you need to do. We'll be ready for you when you come back, you know, kind of like, uh, in, in 300, when, uh, Leonidas's wife says, you know, uh, come back yeah. with your shield <laughs> or, or on it. Um, and she pretty much sends me off, like in that scene, right <laughs> off into the harvest fields, and, and, sh- and she's legitimate about it. She doesn't give me a hard time about it later where you know she makes me feel guilty about it. She understands what aspect of, of my career you know, requires certain sacrifices, and she's fully on board. I don't have to push her. We don't have to have a conversation about it. And, and I'm, again, incredibly thankful for that. If that weren't the case, and I'll, I'll kind of create a, a, a different view, if instead I knew that if I had to go to work, I then had to create a new fight at home Essentially, fighting two wars full time, I couldn't do it. Yeah, uh, I, I and I have plenty, plenty of founder friends that do every day, and I have incredible amount of respect for them. I don't have the fortitude. I actually just don't. And so I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm in a situation where I don't have to. It is incredibly rare. I can't name three people I know that have the same same situation.
0: Yeah, it brings me back to that insight you had about permission versus guilt. Yeah, right, and that o- the overhead that it has of having to manage that guilt that's induced by you know, seeking the need to seek permission in that way. Whereas if you get that taken away from you, that's just a, it sounds like that tailwind is ju- it's just taken away. And 100%. you can go be your best, will we'll show to the best version of startup, startup side rather right. than dad's side, right. amazing. Well, I'd like to ask you the question that I ask every guest now. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey in entrepreneurship that you want to pass on to your kids?
1: I think it's that this is a journey of discovery not just, I know where I want to be, so I'm just going to be there. I think that's the biggest, biggest misconception of how life works, but certainly how startup life works. Here's how people think it works. I come up with a big idea. I then pursue that big idea in the exact form that I designed it in. And it just becomes what I thought it was going to become when I was sitting in bed at 3am staring at the ceiling. And then it becomes huge I'll become wildly successful, maybe I sell the company, and then I become even more happy. Every part of what I just described, I've never seen happen, and I've probably talked to more founders than anyone on the planet. Here's why none of that is true, and how none of that plays out like that. Number one, the only way to know what we're gonna be working on is to work toward it, to work on it, and then keep making 100 changes on the way. The problem is you can't make the changes unless you start working on something and then find your way. The analogy I would use is, let's say you want to go from east to west on a map, and you say, okay, I've plotted out the exact course. That's exactly where I want to go, and this is exactly how I'm going to get there. Sounds awesome, but then you get a third of the way in your trip, and the river is flooded, and you you know you can't go that direction. You have to change course. Now imagine that happened 10,000 times. That's the journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah. The second part of it is that as I progress through this journey, and ideally I'm successful, we'll get to a point where all the success will culminate with which will create more happiness for me. Do you know that I've actually seen far more unhappiness at the end of this journey than happiness? It's the part nobody talks about. Again, this is kind of probably a startup therapy episode, but what we lose along the way is assuming that our success will fill some gap that, that we have going into this. It may increase our bank account, but most of the problems we had going into this, as far as our happiness, our you know, overall mental well-being, only get geometrically worse through this process. <laughs> this isn't a Zen path of happiness. This is a, a torturous kind of gauntlet. And so what I try to explain to folks are two things, and I, I wish I had known this. The first is that there's no version where you can plan this out, all you can do is point in a direction and start moving there. The only thing you can do wrong is to not start moving. Try to keep pretending that you're going to come up with, with Facebook and the, and every iteration of it. It's just It just does not exist. The second is that if you're super unhappy right now, you're about to be way more unhappy through, through this journey, whether it goes good yeah. or bad. So startups are not a path to happiness. They're a path maybe to financial
0: well-being, etc., but your happiness is a totally separate journey. You probably covered this in various angles in startup therapy, but I do wonder how many people make that assumption, you know, that it's a linear journey when it couldn't be further from that in every possible, in every possible way.
1: A hundred percent. And I think that the challenge is particular to this journey, the founder journey, is that most people, as they embark on the journey, they don't have a lot of people around them that can kind of confirm this path. For example. If you and I graduate from university and we want to become lawyers, there are an endless number of people that have gone through specifically this journey, and they can say, look, if, if, if you get into this school, if you graduate, if, if you intern at this place, you'll probably get this job. You'll probably be practicing law. There's a band of how much you get paid at those different thresholds. It's incredibly predictable, and most careers have exactly that. This is the polar opposite of this. This is like if nobody had become a doctor before that you knew, saying, well, I don't know how this whole medicine thing is going to work out, but why don't you slice some things open and maybe you'll find somebody, you'll save somebody, maybe you won't, but you know, figure it out as you go. <laughs> there's, there's no corollary here whatsoever. And so I think we get a lot of really bad signals or make completely bad assumptions heading into
0: this. It's a very good framing, uh, a cautionary tale. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Well that's been an absolutely amazing episode uh, one of the most tip packed insight packed episodes we've ever done. Thank you so much. You know before we close up we have our regular feature startup shoutouts where we shine a light on some of the organizations founders anyone in the startup ecosystem that we admire. Startup shoutouts. Who's your startup shoutout Will?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's funny this is this isn't a new one at all, he's an old friend, he's been at this since, since for as far as I can remember, you may be familiar with him, uh, he's a guy named Andrew Warner that runs the podcast MixerG.com. A lot of people don't realize this, Andrew's interviewed over 2,000 guests. Andrew has uncovered more startup secrets, you know, um, kind of backstories than anyone that I know, but I'm not really high-fiving him just for that, Andrew and I first sat down in 2007. We both used to live in Santa Monica, in California, together. And he pitched me on the idea of of what Mixer G was going to be, uh, interviewing and unpacking all these, um, you know, uh, concepts and, and backstories from founders. And I didn't think it was that good of a, an idea. And I, by the way, I'm usually Mister Optimism. Like when people pitch me an idea, I always try to think how to make it work, not how to, to to knock the idea. But I said, Andrew, I I don't think it's a great idea. Um, and and he was polite about it. Uh, But he's like, well, I'm going to kind of do it anyway. And I'm just shocked at how long he's been able to push his idea, how well it worked, how many people it influenced. And I'm just in How good of an interviewer he's become. He's he's like a masterclass watching him interview uh, other people. So if I'm going to give a shout out, it's my uh, good old friend, uh, Andrew Warner and the incredible job he's done.
0: That's amazing. I, I've not heard of him. Um, he's going straight on my list afterwards. <laughs> again, it, it it ties into that, uh, again, great insight you had about that rate of persistence and iteration, right? In 2000, 2,000 episodes, yeah. So I'm 1% there. Me too. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, Will, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can we find out a little bit more about you? Obviously, we've got startups.com. Uh, anything you want to announce or share with the listeners of the show?
1: Yeah, the most important thing that we do startups.com is we put together groups of founders, we call them founder groups. Uh, They're eight person groups that meet every month, Uh, we moderate these groups, we curate them to be exactly peers that would be in your same life stage, your same business stage, your same growth stage, etc. And we get together every month. And we have a really deep, incredibly vulnerable conversation about how everybody's really doing. And so this isn't the startup dinner where everybody pounds their chest about how incredible things are. This is the polar opposite. If you had to sit in a room and had truth serum. And it's incredibly validating because everyone finds out that everyone's going through the same stuff you are. But more importantly, everyone actually cares. So they work through all these issues. It doesn't matter if you're trying to figure out fundraising or if you're trying to figure out you know how to work through some challenges with your wife. We go through all of these things in incredible depth. And then at a higher level outside of the meetings we have a massive network of other founders who are also in the same groups that are kind of conditioned to have the same honesty and helpfulness that you can reach out to for any problem you could possibly fathom so if, if you go to groups.startups.com you'll be able to find uh, a link to that uh, if you want to email me at will at startups.com i can get you set up on that as well i'm easy to reach and uh, it'd be great to be able to talk to you every day
0: amazing well, I've got so many things coming out of this. I'm actually going to have to write them all down <laughs> so to, to make a, a, so many actions to make a list. Um, Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Many thanks to today's guest. You'll find links to them and their work in the show notes. It would really help us if you shared the show with a friend or colleague. So if you know someone who might find this podcast valuable, please pass it on to them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod.